welcome to Tales from the Mooseverse. I'm glad to have you here. My name is Ian. In an attempt to fix their magic and restore the history of chocolate, Montgomery the Moose and friends have traveled back in time. Spaceship, now known as Alamina, knows the full history of chocolate. So now the group just has to ensure that everything goes just as it did before. Simple. What could possibly go wrong? As always, stay tuned after the story for a way you can join in. So now, here's today's Tale from the Mooseverse. 85.7 million years ago, the lands now known as North America looked very different than they do today. Rather than one large contiguous piece of land on which Canada, the United States, and Mexico now sit, there were two main landmasses, known, after the fact, as Laramidia and Appalachia, separated down the middle by the Western Interior Seaway. In Laramidia, the most fearsome of all dinosaurs, the so-called King of Lizards, the Tyrannosaurus Rex itself, was beginning to evolve. Paleontologists believe that the T-Rex evolved from the Dasplotosaurus terrasus through anagenesis, in which a whole species evolves gradually as one, leaving behind none of its predecessors nor creating any other species along the way. But these paleontologists weren't familiar with the one that got away. This lone creature, a six-foot-tall reptile which hopped around rather than walked and used his tiny arms to drop things into his pouch, was an example of cladogenesis, a split in the evolutionary pattern. While T-Rexes lived abundantly in Laramidia, this one much smaller creature, this Kanga Rex, had to find a place where it could live and eat in safety. So it traveled. The creature made its way to the east coast of Laramidia, just a couple of miles away from what is currently the Four Corners meeting point of Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and New Mexico. Of course, it didn't know that at the time. Nor did it know that when it hitched a ride from a passing plesiosaur across the western interior seaway to Appalachia, that it would end up enjoying this new land so much that it hopped and hopped and hopped, traveling a thousand miles or more over the coming weeks and ending up in a place that, millions of years later, would become known as Maine. And this, dear listener, is how our story begins. Deep in the woods of Maine, this Kangarex was stuck. If you've ever been walking past a fence and the pocket of your jacket has caught on a fence post, you'd know what this felt like for the Kangarex. Except it wasn't a fence post, it was the branch of a ginkgo tree. And it wasn't a jacket, it was his pouch. And instead of walking past, he'd hopped right into it. It only hurt a little, but it was annoying. You see, the problem was that Kangarex, like modern kangaroos, couldn't hop backwards. His legs were powerful and strong, but they didn't come with any kind of reverse gear. His arms, which weren't powerful, also weren't long enough to reach his pouch. This was the problem with being the first in an evolutionary split. Nature, which seemed to be on its way to creating kangaroos, gave him a pouch despite the fact that he was a male and would never give birth to any young himself but kept his arms short like his ancestor, the Desplotosaurus terrasus, so he couldn't even reach it. Of course, this didn't stop him from dropping food into it for later, before realizing he couldn't get it back again. The fact that he was now stuck made things tricky. 
He couldn't back up. He couldn't reach. And hopping forward didn't dislodge the branch. The branch was strong enough that it simply snapped him back to the same place. And there were no creatures around to help him. Not that creatures helped each other out very much in his experience. So of course, this was the perfect moment for some other creatures to arrive from 85.7 million years in the future. In particular, one creature who was very familiar with Kangarex's predicament. Arriving in a multicolored glow in a clearing close to Kangarex's ginkgo tree, Alamina opened her loading ramp, and the group of friends descended to feel the ground beneath their feet. Where are we? Roger asked. Right by Damariscotta Lake, Montgomery the Moose answered, right at home. But I don't see a lake, Phoebe responded. Bobby, Alamina said, and the alien turned to face her. Uh, Montgomery, she continued, realizing that he was really the one she needed to address. We, we went too far back in time. Hmm, Montgomery the Moose said. Yes, I had a feeling. I knew we needed to go back a long time, but obviously I've never done time travel on this scale before, so I probably did overshoot a bit. How much? Bobby asked. More than 85 million years, Elamina confirmed. Ah, okay, Montgomery said sheepishly. I'm still getting the hang of this, I guess. Damaris got a lake doesn't form for another few million years. Okay, everyone back in. Montgomery said, before looking over and seeing Kangarex, a creature with whom he immediately felt empathy. Oh, here, before we go, let me help you, he said, and made a move. Wait, Fred shouted. You can't help that creature. Why not? Montgomery asked. It's stuck. My goodness me, I know how that feels. I know, but you can't change things in history. What do you mean? That's exactly why we're here, to change things to bring back chocolate. Yeah, but a kangaroo dinosaur doesn't have anything to do with chocolate. If this creature is stuck here, it's meant to be stuck here. Oh, nonsense, Montgomery the Moose dismissed. That's just cruel. I'm not going to stand by and let a creature be stuck if I can help it get out. Oh, really? Fred said, giving Montgomery the Moose some side eye. I think Bobby might disagree with that. Bobby, who was oblivious to the fact that Fred was referring to the future version of himself, whom Montgomery had not rescued from the prison known as Tahiti, said... No, I agree with him. Why wouldn't he help? Montgomery felt slightly ashamed, but said quietly to Fred, That was different. He purposefully avoided whatever look Fred was giving him and stepped forward towards the strange creature tangled in the tree. I'll help you, Montgomery said. Thank you, Kangarex replied, becoming the first dinosaur to ever speak. Kangarex, who had never been able to communicate with any other creature until now, didn't give much thought as to how he was able to speak with creatures of different species and would never have understood that a creature from the future named Ringo the Unpredictable Horse had left a legacy of universal translation in the magic that Montgomery the Moose now carried with him. Despite being able to understand their language, none of those words would have made any sense to him at all. Seriously, Montgomery, stop, Fred added. You have no idea what will happen if you free him. Maybe we'll get back home and there will be millions of Kangarexes around instead of humans. You just don't know. Or maybe, Ruth interjected, Montgomery will have just put a little more kindness into the world. She smiled. While the group mulled over her comment, Montgomery the Moose used magic to free Kangarex. Thank you, Kangarex said again. Thank you, thank you, he continued. It became clear that while he could understand what the other creatures were saying and was able to communicate his gratitude, his actual language skills 
will limited. You are very welcome, Montgomery the Moose replied. Spying the rubber bath fish that Tamar had dragged down the ramp with her, Kangarek seemed to understand that this fish was different from the rest of the group in some way. But he didn't seem to understand exactly how it was different, and hopped over to it, hunger in his eyes. No, Tamar shouted, but the creature was so large and fast that she instinctively dropped the fish, and Kangarex gobbled it up in a single mouthful. No, Tamar and Phoebe shouted together. Kangarex looked at them guiltily and swallowed. That's the caped cod, Tamar cried. It is, Mr. Toucan said. That's why you've been carrying it around this whole time? Yes, Tamar added indignantly. I mean, it came from the realm of dragons, so I'm not 100% sure it's the original Cape Cod. Fred rolled his eyes and tried to indicate to everyone without words that there was no original Cape Cod, and also that this was rubber, and that bass and cod are not the same kind of fish anyway. But I thought that maybe once Montgomery was using magic again, he could, you know, restore the Cape Cod, Montgomery the Moose said. Yes, Tamar cried. As the group surrounded Tamar, expressing a mixture of, we'll get it back, and... But if it's not real, it doesn't actually matter, right? And I don't understand any of this. What's going on? Unbeknownst to them all, someone else climbed into action. Elocho Loco, the stowaway octopus, saw that it was time to step up. After all, octopuses, yes, it's octopuses, not octopi, had been around many millions of years longer than whatever creature this one was and everyone knows that octopuses are great problem solvers. Don't worry, everyone, he shouted. Elocho Loco will save the day. Unfortunately, the group, who had barely even had time to know that they had an octopus on board in the first place, was so focused on their friend that they entirely missed what Elocho Loco said, let alone everything that came next. Using his eight tentacles and the unrivaled strength of his thousands of suckers, the octopus pried open Kangarex's jaws as the bizarre creature was in the midst of hopping away. Once Kangarex's jaws were open, El Ocho Loco climbed inside, and using seven of his tentacles as a jack to keep the jaws pried open, he used his eighth to reach down the creature's throat and pull back the rubber bass fish. The tickle of a tentacle in Kangarex's throat made him launch into a tremendous fit of coughing and sneezing, with confusing results. With one sneeze, Elocho Loco's tentacles slipped and Kangarex's mouth closed around him. But with the next cough, a disoriented and woozy Elocho Loco came tumbling out of the creature's mouth, falling directly down, knocking into Kangarex's short, stubby arms, and eventually ending up somewhere dark, cozy, and warm with the smells of long-forgotten, rotten food. Kangarex's pouch. The circumstances reminded him of life in the deep sea, but the massive overwhelm of the last few seconds was too much for El Ocho Loco, and his brain decided it would be best to just shut down and rest for a while. Meanwhile, Kangarex kept coughing and sneezing, and with one massive cough in particular, the rubber bass fish came shooting out of his mouth. By chance, it flew in the precise direction of the group of friends who had missed the whole ordeal in their attempts to console Tamar and or understand anything of what was happening in their life right now. The rubber fish landed a few inches in front of Tamar, who stopped crying, opened her eyes wide, and picked up and hugged the disgusting-smelling mucus-covered fish with glee. I can't believe it. He's back, she cheered. You gave him back, Phoebe added. The caped cod is back. Phoebe hadn't really bought into her sister's whole fantasy about the rubber bass fish being the caped cod before the last few moments, 
But seeing her sister's upset and this seemingly miraculous return, she now believed, too. Don't ever do that again, Tamar shouted at Kangarex. But also thank you for returning him, Phoebe added, thinking her sister may be going too far. Thank you, Kangarex replied with curiosity. Then excitedly, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Ooh, Tamar reflected with regret, only now realizing quite how slimy the fish had become as she stopped hugging it. He's gross. I'm sorry, Moncarmy the Moose said. This feels like it's my fault. Phoebe and Tamar weren't following and looked at him quizzically. Well, when I took you all from Cambridge to Madagascar, obviously your mom and dad didn't want to come, and I didn't give you any choice about bringing the caved cod or not. The sisters had to agree that was true, but still felt Montgomery was being a little too hard on himself. Here, he said with a glint in his eye, and in a multicolored glow, the fish was gone. What did you do? Phoebe and Tamar exclaimed. I fixed him up and sent him back home to wait for our return. That way he won't get into any more trouble. Fixed him up? Tamar asked with confusion. Yes, Montgomery said proudly. I used your memories of the Cape Cod to restore him. The Cape Cod is as good as new. Phoebe and Tamar looked at each other with alarm. When he said he had used their memories... But their questions would have to wait. Kangarex was hopping all over the place, almost as if something inside him was trying to get out, and his movements became wild and unpredictable. The group backed away, all except Alamina, who was busy processing information. I think we should go before we do anything else, she said to the group, with what appeared to be some concern in her voice. I'm attempting to calculate what might happen since he freed that creature, but the probabilities are too much for my system. Montgomery turned to address the group. Friends, he started, is everyone ready to go? Thank you, thank you, thank you, Kangarex shouted as he hopped dangerously around, and Montgomery decided now was a good time for the group to take their leave. You're welcome, you're welcome, you're welcome, he replied, and in a multicolored glow, the group, including the large metal spaceship, was gone. Their disappearance took Kangarex by surprise, but still something was in his pouch, and it clearly didn't want to be. Soon, a tentacle emerged, then another, then another. And then El Ocho Loco pulled himself out of Kangarex's pouch altogether, flopping ungracefully onto the ground. The octopus shook his head to try to regain its composure. He looked around him to see nothing but Kangarex and some ginkgo trees. Uh, where did everyone go? Thank you, Kangarex replied. Of course, since no one had seen El Ocho Loco's heroic effort to save the rubber bass fish from Kangarex, they had no idea that they'd left him behind and continued in their quest to save chocolate. But for El Ocho Loco, life would never be the same again. Kangarex seemed to get bored of El Ocho Loco quickly and started to hop away. But the octopus was drying out after so much time away from water, and he realized that his only chance of help was leaving. Wait, the octopus called. The dinosaur turned to face him. I need water. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Kangarex replied and hopped back to the octopus. Elocho Loco had no idea if Kangarex understood what he had said, but he realized it was his best hope at this point. He slooped over and climbed onto Kangarex's back, holding on tight with hundreds of suckers while the creature hopped and hopped for what seemed like hours. They arrived at a pond, and Elocho Loco realized the creature had understood him after all. Thank you, Elocho Loco said. Thank you, Kangarex replied. Elocho Loco released his suckers and slid down into the water. It felt refreshing at first. He was restored, 
but then he realized he wasn't. The problem, of course, is that an octopus is a saltwater creature, and ponds are freshwater. While Kangarex drank, Elotroloco climbed back on and explained he needed a different kind of water. Kangarex, who had traversed saltwater himself, seemed to understand once more. This time, the duo traveled through the night, hopping and hopping and hopping and hopping, until they reached what is now known as the Atlantic Ocean. Elocho Loco slid down once more, and this time, it felt right. This was the water he needed. He didn't need to go back to the future. He could just stay here. This was everything he needed. To show his gratitude to Kangarex, Elocho Loco caught a large sturgeon and brought it to the strange creature for food. Kangarex was hesitant, expecting the octopus to jump inside his mouth again and remove this fish too, but soon realized this wasn't a concern he needed to have, and the two became friends. In the months and years that followed, Kangarex and Elocho Loco spent many of their days together, Kangarex mostly on land and Elocho Loco mostly in the water, although they each went into the other's world from time to time. But Kangarex was the only one of his kind he'd ever seen, and as the years passed, he decided to go on an expedition to see if there was another somewhere in the world. He said goodbye to Elocho Loco with a heartfelt thank you, and Elocho Loco replied, Thank you, my friend. For the next few years, Elocho Loco popped out of the ocean occasionally to see if Kangarex might be returning with a partner, but he never did. And then the years kept coming. Before Elocho Loco knew it, a few decades had passed, and then a century. You see, what Elocho Loco didn't know, because no one had ever experienced this before, is that it's impossible for a creature to die before they're born. That might seem obvious, but what that meant for Elocho Loco was that he would live for the next 85.7 million years. And when Montgomery the Moose and friends catch up with him again, he will have had all 85.7 million years to evolve and to fix that pesky problem of the ocean needing a leader. To be continued. Thanks so much for listening. As always, we'd love to hear your stories. And there's 85.7 million years of El Ocho Loco's life to tell stories about. What do you think he got up to in all that time? Did he get involved in any parts of world history? Why not make up your own stories and let us know? And what happened to Kangarex? Were there other strange evolutionary one-offs that you'd like to write a story about? Send us your stories about any of these characters or any others you think would fit in the Mooseverse. You can record a story yourself on audio or video or write it or even send in pictures. We'll include some on our website, mooseverse.com, and we may even include a snippet on future episodes of the podcast. Sign up for our Tales from the Mooseverse newsletter list to receive a sheet of writing tips and activities you can use to grow your own stories. Sign up at mooseverse.com. Mooseverse.com is also where you can find information about our StoryLab online writing and story-growing workshops. And remember to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mooseverse. As always, we're looking forward to reading your stories. After all, the stories we tell and the stories you tell are all part of the Mooseverse. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>